You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. <laughs> this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio, and it was really the low point of my life. That's right. Welcome to another episode of the Godfather and Gorney podcast here on Rivals.com. My name is Dave Barry, producer of the show, and I'm joined by the stars, Adam Gorney out on the West Coast and Mike Farrell on the East Coast. Guys, we've got a lot to talk about today. We we uh, are releasing the new Rivals 100 tomorrow on Tuesday, but as we record this on Monday, we did put out a, a, the new top 10. There's some interesting changes there, and um, you know, I won't spoil it. I'll let you guys get into it. So, Farrell, uh, tell us the, the big news from the from the re- uh, recently released top 10. Yeah, and this is a good place if you want to get some hints as to who the new five stars are for tomorrow as well, for Tuesday. That's being released at noon. We've got five new five stars, so we're up to 21 players at the five-star status. Um, but the big news is the new number one. You know, Kovar's crouch dropped to number five. <clears throat> it's mainly more about positional uh, strength, you know, where he's going to play. Is he a linebacker? Is he a defensive end? Is he a running back? You know, I've mentioned, you know, Dylan Moses and Ernie Sims as guys who were number one at one point in time, and we had positional questions about them. Ernie Sims ended up staying number one. Dylan Moses dropped from number one, actually lost his fifth star, and then got it back uh, before all is said and done. But, you know, when you're dealing with the athlete position with a, with a jumbo athlete like him, there's a lot of question marks. There are no question marks really about Derek Stingley being the top cornerback in this class. The number two guy is Chris Steele all the way down at 16. Stingley's big. He's fast. He's athletic. He has tremendous instincts. He's got bloodlines. He is competitive. He can play big receivers um, because he elevates very well. He can play smaller receivers because he has such great hips. Um, he's the first cornerback to ever be number one. So I guess we could start there and, and what your thoughts are on Stingley. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it all about St- you said it all about Stingley, and I think the thing that really stands out is that he is the first number one cornerback and. There have been some really talented cornerbacks throughout the years, and the two that really popped to my mind are Eric Berry, um, who obviously had a ton of success at Tennessee and then into the NFL, and, and Patrick Peterson, who went by Patrick Johnson back in the day when he was in high school. But um, that is who I think reminds me most of Stingley. Long, athletic, can run. You know, Stingley puts up big numbers, you know, running um, and not just playing. And so I think those are the two that really compare. And to not have either of those guys one I believe Barry was two and Peterson was three um, to have him ahead of those guys really says something about what we think of Stingley long term and just how special he is and I think you know crouch dropping was definitely not a, a criticism of his talent it's just really a question of where he plays long term is he a running back probably not he's a linebacker do we want to have a linebacker number one in the country um, and is he the best player so I was always kind of hesitant about having a guy who we weren't exactly sure of where he was going to play uh being the best player in the country so um i'm i'm a little bit more happy with having stingley up here i don't want to say can't miss because those are usually the guys that do miss but he is very very talented kid um so let's talk about his recruitment a little bit is he a lock to lsu does he give florida a chance or how does this kind of play out do you think I think he's going to go to LSU. I mean, I think it's it's hard to get kids out of there. Alabama's the only one that's had real 
consistent success pulling kids out of Louisiana. So, you know, I think a lot of people think he's going to stick with LSU. They need to keep him. He's apparently, um, and again, I'm, I'm not the one saying this. There are people saying that he's the most athletic prospect to come out of there in the last 15 years. And there are some really, really good players from the state of Louisiana in that time frame. So, you know, if he's that special, which, you know, again, he might not end up number one. He's number one right now. This is not a great class. This is not a bell-to-bell class where there's one guy <clears throat> where we know he's going to be number one, like Terrell Pryor, where right. you know Javian Clowney, where we knew who who the guy was going to be. But um, I'm going to re- I'm going to correct you a little bit, Gorns. Uh, you know, Eric Berry was number three back number in 2007, two. and Patrick uh, Johnson, who was turned to Patrick Peterson. Uh, he was Patrick Johnson in our database. He was number five overall in 2008. So it's pretty amazing to think that the two guys that came closest to number one, I didn't really like either of them as cornerbacks. Ted Ginn Jr. was 2004, number two overall. I don't know. I liked him more on the offensive side of the ball as a special teams guy. I wasn't really enamored with him. But, again, uh, I don't make the final decision on all of this stuff. And I definitely, as you remember, was not a big Vernon Hargraves fan. Now, he had a fine college career. But I thought he was too small, um, and I thought he could be abused at times. Uh, he was number two overall in 2013. But some of the other guys that pushed for number one, Eric Berry, I mentioned in 2007, was number three. Um, Jabril Peppers in 2014 was number three, uh, a kid who sort of went from a cornerback to a cornerback slash safety. Iman Marshall, number three overall in 2015. Uh, and then Patrick Peterson was number five overall. So beyond that, nobody else really in the top seven, uh, which is surprising to me. It's a position that's extremely important. It's also a position that's very hard to evaluate because when you go watch these guys in games, they never get thrown at ever. Um, So you have to rely upon camps. You have to rely upon all-star camps and all-star games to really evaluate these guys, and if they have one bad day, um, you know, then you're not sold on them. So Stingley's, you know, going to be at the Five Star Challenge. We'll see how he does there. Obviously, he'll be at the opening, and he'll be, you know, uh, not targeted at all during his senior season. I'm sure they'll avoid his side of the field completely, and then we'll get to see him. And I don't know which All Star game he's in. I, I can't keep track of that stuff, but um, we'll see if he can hold on to number one. But that's some heady stuff when you're talking Patrick Peterson and you're talking Eric Berry because those are the two of the best big corners that I've ever seen uh, covering uh, recruiting. And I think what you said earlier is going to be true. I think more than most years, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was not coming off that number one line last year, I don't think, no matter what. Um, And so I think this is a year where we're not sold on one guy, even two or three guys. I think this list can drastically change through the summer after we see them at the five-star challenge uh, and then get to watch them on TV at the opening. And then into the all-star season, I think is going to be really, really important because we always kind of react strongly about how they play during one week in San Antonio or Orlando. I think it's probably incredibly valuable to see them play against guys of their skill level and so i think this list is going to change a lot number one is Derek stingley now very very talented kid but absolutely no guarantee that he's going to stay there yeah we didn't have many changes aside from that in the top 10 um darnell wright stayed at number two the offensive tackle from west virginia theo weiss the wide receiver from texas stayed at number three um 
Kayvon Thibodeau stayed at number four, so really no changes at two, three, and four. Crouch, I already mentioned, dropped four spots down to number five. Jaden Hasselwood uh, and Brew McCoy just shifted slightly at six and seven, but no real big moves there. Uh, Trey Sanders jumped into the top ten as the top running back in the country, and then Ismail Softshire at number nine and Clay Webb at number ten. Now I'm looking at the rest of the list here, and this is where we get into the fun part of sort yeah. of hinting at the five guys. We've got five new five stars that are set to uh, to be released on Tuesday. Plus, we've got one guy who lost his fifth star. Um, five of the six that we're talking about here are committed to school. So I'm going to give a hint about the first one, and he's checking in very high in, in the Rivals 100. He's a very, very, very talented hybrid guy who's headed to the SEC. And that's all I'm going to give everybody. Uh, but we've been high on this guy for quite some time. I know you absolutely love him. You can't say his name. You can't give any more information <laughs> than that. But tell me a little bit about his game and what you love about it. What I love about him is when I saw him last year, he was just all over the field. Uh, his school came out here to play in a game. Uh, maybe I'm giving away too much already. Um, you, just, and you just gave it away. No, <laughs> he's just all over the field. He's incredibly violent. He's physical. He plays every play to the fullest. He hits people hard. Um, he is definitely a hybrid guy too. We have him at a position where he probably, you know, might not play long term. Um, he might play the other position in that hybrid role, um, just because he's so aggressive and athletic. I love the kid, and I think early on we were a little not concerned, but a little uh, taken aback about giving him this ranking because he wasn't the biggest guy in the world but he's he continues to grow and develop and and be a guy that will go to the sec and put up huge numbers and and i've loved him for a long time and i'm happy that he's made this jump so high yeah the next guy is also going to the sec now again these guys are committed everybody's recruiting them they're going to take visits as all of them do you just don't know where they're going to end up landing but well known for just slamming people to the ground in one-on-ones. I'm not going to give his position, but all he does is slam people to the ground. Um, I was at a camp, I think it was the Future 50, now standing next to somebody, and there was a rep that occurred where he was involved, and he didn't slam the guy to the ground. And I told the people next to me, I said, this play right here, this next rep, he will slam the guy to the ground, whether it's after the whistle, uh, illegally, or during <laughs> during uh, legal play. He, his opponent is going to go on the ground, be slammed to the ground, and then jumped upon. And, yeah. of course, it happened the next play. He's also known for a pretty good chokehold. Now, again, those are all great things, you know, but some of them <laughs> are illegal. You know, hitting after the whistle is illegal. Chokeholds are really illegal. But just a physically dominant football player who's headed to the SEC. Um, but I don't want to give away the position. I don't want to give away the state. I don't want to give away anything else. I just know that when you look at our list, and again, we're going to have 21 five-stars as of tomorrow, he's by far, to me, the most physical of all of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what I love about him even more is that he, he wants to bring it like every single time. He's He doesn't back down. He doesn't care if the guy is bigger than him, which is rare, or smaller than him, which is usually happening. He just comes after you time and time again. And this is a kid who's needed in the SEC. 
Um, how about this for a hint? Needed for a strong running attack, uh, and I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be phenomenal. Now, uh, he was great last summer when we saw him, and I think he's going to be even better this summer. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I'm. I'm. Am I 100% sold on him? I think people get too caught up into the aggression. Um, yeah. You know, I think that was the case with Cade Mays last year, uh, who was, you know, uh, a, a five-star kid that slammed people to the ground. Uh, yeah. That I wasn't 100% sold upon as being a five-star. And, and we'll see. We'll see how he does. I mean, he's ranked pretty high, um, but it's going to be real interesting to see at his position and, you know, um, where he stacks up because we've got some very, very talented football players uh, at his the, particular the, position. The, the question I would have long-term with him and talking about going into the combine and things is, does his body attract NFL uh, executives? Does he? Can he run? Those those would be the two questions that I would have about him. Who was it? Was it Who was the one with the, the body issue? Was it Andre Smith? Uh, it who, was... I think it was Andre Smith who ran his 40 without a shirt on. <laughs> he still ended up getting drafted in the first round, the Alabama uh, yeah. offensive lineman. But I, I think he ran his 40 without a shirt on, and it was like really bad slow-mo video. Um, <laughs> right. So he had a bad body, but still ended up you know, as a first-rounder and ended up with a long NFL career. I, I think he's still playing. It was like what it was like what pool water looked like during an earthquake. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad, and this could be similar to that, but we'll see. You know, there's a lot. It, it, listen, if you told me Orlando Brown would get in shape yeah. back when he was in high school, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy because he was just very, very out of shape, and uh, he he ended up putting it together, and then he ended up having a horrible combine. <laughs> he probably would have had a better combine if he was still fat, but uh, he he lost a lot of weight and reshaped everything. So. The next guy is also committed to the SEC. Shocker. Um, tremendous lower body strength. Uh, tremendous athleticism for his particular position. Uh, and a guy that I think, out of all of the new five stars, probably has the highest ceiling. It's furthest from where he's going to be because he needs to work on areas like his upper body strength. Uh, and once he gets that solved... Uh, I think the sky's the limit. And a guy who could play early next year. Um, so those are your hints on him. Uh, you know, I don't want to give away any more on that. But um, just just a kid that I'm very, very high on, more so than the last prospect we talked about. I think yeah. this kid's ceiling is much, much higher. What I would say about this kid, the third kid, is that I think as we see more of him in person and at big events, could be a candidate to become the number one offensive tackle in the country. Oh, you gave away the position. Yeah. Well, there you go. Good job, Gorney. Trying to keep this <laughs> mysterious and you gave away the position. We, I, I didn't say the player. It could be anyone. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it could be anyone. People are going to figure that one out. All right, let's see if you screw this one up. The next guy who checks in is the second-to-last five-star. Going to the ACC, so not an SEC guy. Um, athletic, could play either offense or defense, but uh, trends towards the defensive side of the ball. Really good frame. Um, excellent instincts. And 
could continue a tremendous tradition at this particular school uh, at this particular position. I'm not going to give you the position, not going to give you the name, not going to give you the school, but um, this was a kid we all talked about was eventually going to be a five-star. I think we had two ranking cycles where we were like, oh, yeah, he's going to be a five-star, and then we didn't make him a five-star, and, and it sort of came down to the meetings where I was like, well, what, what are we waiting for? Right. Um, and part of the reason was that he was he was playing out of position. He was going to camps and he was playing offense, and that's not his thing. But he's still so good a- athletically that you just really couldn't hold him back. So he's he's the next guy. Now you can go and ruin it by saying something crazy. Let me think about what I'm going to say here. Um, I think with the coaching staff in place there, it's going to be interesting in how they're going to use him. I think he could be a special teams guy in offensive packages and definitely at his primary position. Uh, I think the people that are there are going to be smart about it and use him all over the field. Um, and so that's all I'm going to say. And I'll just say he's far from number one in his position. So uh, despite <laughs> the fact that he's a new five-star, he is not close to challenging no. that, that position. Uh, and then the last guy is... Very interesting because his film is just so outstanding and his testing numbers are off the charts. I mean, absolutely off the charts. Uh, He plays not quite as sexy a position as the guy we were just talking about, Um, but he could be a guy that at, at this particular position, which this position is really coming into focus when you're talking about NFL. The NFL has started drafting guys at this particular position higher and higher every year. Um, in three, four years from now, we could be talking about this kid as, you know, top five NFL draft pick if he if he continues to develop because he's so explosive, um, he's so athletic, he can run anything down, and when he does make a mistake, he's got that makeup speed to to just um, you know cover his own butt if he does make a mistake. So, and there's not really not much else to say about him other than giving it away. See, that's the problem you have is you got to come in and you got to give more information, but you can't because I've already gone through it all. Yeah, going second is tough and and following you is always tough. I mean, you always. say it all and there always. there's nothing there's nothing left to say other than uh I definitely think that this is a kid who can continue to move up the rankings. And I'll tell you this, as I look from 11 to 21 where we were, those are some pretty good football players and definitely guys who I think could crack that top 10, at least five, six of them easily. And then there are two or three other ones with you know, big-time potential, guys who are still a little raw, still we're still a little unsure of, um, but you know, through the summer and into the All-Star Games could definitely be moving up into those top positions. Yeah, one of them could be the number one player in the country. I think, and we're we're talking about the same person. When you talk about yeah. raw, and oh yeah, oh, physically yeah. off the charts, just off yes. the charts, starts to put it together. We're talking about a guy who could push Stingley, and that's where it is this year with the number one guy. You know, uh, someone in the fifteen to twenty range could take number one. Someone who's not a five star right now could take number one. Um, yeah. It's just that type of year where there is just no one guy. Now, Stingley could have a tremendous summer and a great season and, and, and really cement himself as really difficult to beat at number one. Um, but he's our, I think he's our second 
number one. Yeah, he's our second number one in this cycle. We have August, we have December, and then we have January. So we got three cycles left in this class. So he's got to hold on for three more. Now, the guy who lost his fifth star is committed to the Big 12. Um, so that program and those fans are not going to be happy at all. And I'll just say, immensely talented prospect who doesn't look like he wants to give it his all every time. And this is the thing that people get upset about. They're like, well, who cares about camps? Who cares about underwear camps? Nick Saban hands out scholarship offers at underwear camps. Urban Meyer hands out scholarship offers at underwear camps. We're, we're talking about camps without pads. Um, if you don't give it your all, if you do not go with a tremendous motor and a want to to be a great football player, who was it last year? The athlete out west. Come on, of what's course. His what's his name? He was a five star, then he lost the fifth star at the end because he just didn't care at Under Armour at all. I can't um, remember his name. Hold on, let me look. Ah, oh, come on. He's, didn't he pick? Did he pick uh, USC? He did. He picked USC over Oregon. And I can't remember his name because I'm all about the 2019 class right now. I know. I once you go past the class, you forget all the all the guys in the previous class. But I'm going. But I'm getting up the state rankings right as we speak. And Devin, see, this is stretching it out so I can get to Devin, the, get to the is list. It, is it Devin? Devin Williams? There you Devin go. Devin Williams. There you go. Devin Williams. This guy reminds me of him. Now, Devin Williams obviously played a different position. He wasn't a pure wide receiver. But this guy reminds me of that type of talent. Just a freak athlete. You look at him and you're like, oh, my God, this guy is the greatest looking you know, prospect of his position that you could see. Uh, and then he goes out there and just doesn't seem to care. Just sort of lollygags through everything. And, and that can hurt you. Now, we've had guys drop their fifth star, Raquan McMillan, dropped his fifth star, Dante Fowler dropped his fifth star, because of this same thing. Raekwon was sort of a weight issue, but again, that showed that he wasn't serious about football, and then he got serious and got his fifth star back. Fowler was just sleepwalking through his senior season, and then decided to wake up and just dominate at Under Armour. But we've had guys like this in the past where they will lose the fifth star and get it back. And I think this is one of those guys that could do that, but he's really got to show us that he wants it on every play. I'll say two things about underwear camps since I go to so many of them. Uh, rarely do I see people who are good in seven on seven who aren't really good on Friday nights. Like if you're good in a camp, you're going to be good when the pads come on. There are those exceptions, guys that don't like to be physical, guys that don't like to hit, um, guys that don't like to be hit. Um, but but usually, if you're a talented wide receiver, if you're a lockdown corner, with or with pads, uh, you're you're usually pretty good. So people who discount you know camp season and seven on seven season, I think, are doing a disservice uh, to say, oh, this kid would, looked good in seven on seven, but wait until Friday night. Usually, they're the same guys. Uh, the guys who are good in in May are the guys who are good in in September and October. The second thing I'll say is the guys who turn it on in May and get fired up and go out there and can't wait to hit somebody. Like we'll talk about him next week, 2020 linebacker, Justin Flo, who's a complete animal. I love how he plays. Um, you should have seen him at the LA camp. He, he almost had to be held back from hitting people during one-on-ones. Um, those are the same guys who will be physical uh, on Friday nights. So to, to say that a kid is good in an underwear camp, you know, is doing a disservice because 
that kid will usually just be, be just as good on dominant on a Friday night. Yeah, and, and we know that, you know, and, and people say, you know, because we run a camp business, oh, all you guys care about is the, the guys that, that camp with you. I, I will say that two of our new five stars did not camp with us. Um, you know, they, they went to other camps, and we don't care. Couldn't care less. Um, you know, obviously, we, we evaluate at all sorts of camps, ours as well as everybody else's, um, and it's one of those situations where, you know, it's a it's a fine line between film and camps. I've seen yes. kids that look amazing on film, and then I see them in person. I'm like, wow, you know, because highlight films are highlight films, and, and game films are game films. Um, game films don't lie. Highlight films lie. You know, yep. I've never I've never seen an interception on a quarterback's highlight tape in, in my entire career. That's 20 years. And nobody's putting an interception up there. Period. Um, Good. And and the other thing I'd like to say is I go, you know, we go to a lot of games on Friday nights, and we see a lot of teams and all this kind of stuff. And um, you know, what what's a better evaluation? A kid not wearing pads going against other all-star type kids, or a kid wearing pads going against losers who will never see a college football field and have no chance of doing it. Of course, it's the first one. So watching high school football in pads, um, I don't think is as incredibly valuable as some people might put into it. Uh, watching kids go up against each other at places like camps and seven-on-seven tournaments uh, is far more valuable in terms of seeing who wants to compete and who's good and who's more athletic against a kid almost just as athletic as him. And here's the other thing. You take you take a, a high highly rated player and you find the best two or three games that he's going to play that year. Yeah. You know, you make sure you're not attending a game against, you know, a, a bunch of losers, as you said, where he's just going <laughs> to dominate. And you, that's pointless evaluation. You definitely have to go to a game where there's other Division One football players on the field. Um, and that's hard to do sometimes in remote areas. Uh, but at the very least, in remote areas, you go against their rival or somebody that can give them a game. Um, but in most areas, especially the talent-rich areas, you can certainly find games to go to that will challenge them. But, but like I said, even if you go to a game, let's say, you know, Stingley's playing uh, a team with 12 Division One prospects on it. Yeah. They're, they're still not going to throw it in, period. Right. Yeah, and that's no. why the cornerback position is probably undervalued at rivals a little bit. And, and you know, again, with that guys ranked two and three, and but never number one. And maybe this is a trend. Maybe our next – I mean, I, I remember the year Jalen Ramsey and Kendall Fuller and Hargraves and those guys were all five-star corners, and that was probably the best year um, we've had at cornerback that I can remember because uh, I think there was – um, Tredavious White was in there. It was it was crazy, um, but none of those guys. You know, Hargraves was number two, um, but you know, again, it was never a discussion whether he was going to be number one or who was number one at cornerback was going to be number one. And when you look back on that particular class, Jalen Ramsey should have been number one overall. You know, based yeah. on the way he's playing in the NFL, based on his draft position and all that other stuff. Um, but you know. Really, he never got that that shake to be number one. Um, 
because Hargraves, who was five foot nine, was ahead of him, though he shouldn't have been in hindsight. But I was more of a Kendall, Kendall Fuller guy, I'll have to admit, more so than Jalen Ramsey. So I was wrong as well that year because um, Ramsey's clearly a special talent. And that's kind of what you look for now. You know, Stingley is like a Jalen Ramsey type. You know, he yeah. could start off at safety if he wanted to or nickel back and then move to corner if you needed him to. Uh, or he could start off as a big corner and just stay there. Um, he's just so fluid that, you know, it doesn't really matter. But but that's the one position that running back's another tough one, too, because sometimes you go to a game and you travel all the way to a game and the running back fumbles on the first carry and he gets benched. Yeah. And even if he's a superstar or he's playing a team that's so much better than his team that he just gets swarmed every play, and he ends up with eight carries for negative eight yards, and you're like, did I just watch you know, a, a four- or five-star running back who had the worst game I've ever seen in my life? <laughs> that happened to me quite a few times at the running back position, and you just have to sort of sometimes gauge whether you know the kid stinks and he's overrated or, or whether he was just put in a position where he was not going to be successful, but um, but I would say corner is definitely the toughest position. I could fly anywhere in the country and go see you know one of the top five cornerbacks in the country and and watch them. I remember Eli Apple. I went to see him in person, and uh, you know the only evaluation I got was on offense. He played wide receiver for his team. He caught a bunch of passes, but on defense they didn't they didn't dare throw at him at all. Um, plus, plus you end up getting stuck watching. Some teams don't throw the ball, period. Yeah. You know, you go to a game and all of a sudden the coach decides, oh, we're going to run the ball, you know, 70, 80 times, and we're just, that's all we're going to do. Um, and then you evaluate a cornerback on what, you know, how close to the line of scrimmage he can play and how much he can tackle and all that good stuff, which is great, but it doesn't show you his coverage ability. So, But enough about all this garbage. We've got the 2020 rankings next week. It's going to be the same sort of format, I believe, where we're going to come out with the top 10 on Monday, and then we'll have the Rivals 100, which our first numerical 2020 Rivals 100 will be next Tuesday. Um, so next Monday we'll be hinting towards, I think, some of the new five stars there or whatever. But let's talk a little bit of recruiting real quick before we get into the Kyler Murray debate, whether he should ever pick up a football or even look at a football again. Um Texas A&M, you and I were talking about them this week. Number three recruiting class in the country. Uh, and you got to give props to Oklahoma as well. Uh, that's an interesting situation there where everybody's recruiting the state of Texas. Texas says the number 12 recruiting class in the country. Those three programs going at it in the state of Texas, I think, is probably the early storyline of, of 2019 right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we talked and you said, you know, Jimbo Fisher has always been an excellent recruiter and continues to be. I think that's very impressive, Um, you know, but for him not coaching a game there yet, for him to sell that program, which has been, you know, you know, the up and comer, the one with the potential for so long, but never really does anything, um, I think has been very impressive for him to jump up so high. Kenyon Green, five-star offensive lineman, is going there now. Um, you know, Oklahoma has dipped in there, obviously, very, very well and gotten guys. A&M's done very, very well in the state. I think Texas, to a large degree, has um, not gotten the top guys, let's say, as, as much as some of those other programs. But I think that's probably coming 
um, through this season. I think they'll be fine. Uh, Texas has actually done a good job in the West going into Arizona and getting some guys and going into California getting to Gabriel Floyd. Um, but uh, LSU has gone in there and gotten four-star linebacker Marcel Brooks. So the state is definitely the storyline, I think, here, where Oklahoma is obviously you know, doing better than anyone else, goes in there and gets those receivers. A&M is doing incredibly well. LSU's dipping in there. Everybody's going in there. Um, but I, you know, you do have to give Jimbo Fisher credit, who kind of took a year off and uh, then went to Texas A&M and has really, uh, you know, made the program interesting again. And they're number three recruiting-wise now. They already have 16 commits. They have a five-star. Um, I think they're doing incredibly well. Uh, but you also have to look at Oklahoma and say, wow, they can go in there and get kind of anybody they want. And Ohio State dipping into Texas as well with Garrett Wilson. I know he's from the Midwest originally, but they're always dangerous when you talk about programs outside of the state of Texas. Um, you know, so he's he's obviously a guy that we like a lot. He'll be making a big jump tomorrow as well. I'm not giving away too much information on that because everybody knows how, how talented he is. And, you know, we're just going to sort of reset his ranking a bit, but... But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see there. Then South Carolina, I think, making a splash here. You know, their average star ranking is 3.3, which is, you know, in the same range as Clemson right now with two more commitments. And it's behind Florida State and Georgia and Ohio State and some others that will eventually pass them. But for them to be number four in the country right now with a quarterback uh, that I know you like quite a bit, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's a really good class. They need help on defense. You know, they've got some, some good defensive linemen. You know, Zach Pickens, the five-star kid, and uh, uh, Rodriguez Fitton. But they need more help on defense um, than they do on offense. But this offensive class they're putting together here is, is, is fairly impressive. And uh, Ryan Helinski, tell me what you like about him. He has been completely different from this time last year to this year. He's grown, he's grown up physically. Um, which makes him throw a much better ball. Uh, I, I was impressed with him during his junior year as he was kind of going through this transition, um, but has, has really been just phenomenal this offseason. Probably uh, the best quarterback that I've seen in person and consistently good. So he's doing a good job recruiting for that South Carolina class. I know a lot of other programs are trying to get involved, but he seems to not be showing too much interest right now. Um, I think if that offensive staff... Um, stays together he'll go there i know ohio state is trying to come in and try to get him and flip him um uh so he's been a kid that's been just outstanding this offseason and really deserves you know as you're going through the spring and you see a 573 star on a kid who you know is not a 573 star you can't wait for the day that you could bump him up to where he's uh where he should be and I'm, i might have even been a little conservative on his ranking without giving too much away so he's a kid we'll see at the five star challenge a lot of people thought he was the best quarterback on the on the uh, Rivals Camp Series regional circuit, um, and you know, he's just been kind of a different player, and, and it's really starting to show how, how talented he could be. Yeah, and, you know, we don't have a five-star quarterback in this particular class. I don't think that's giving anything away. Um, you know, you've got Spencer Rattler and Bo Nix up there, but now Helinski's making himself uh, – he's making himself a run, and, and he's putting himself in that conversation – based on where he's going to be ranked tomorrow. Um, does he have the potential to jump to five stars, or is it just he's too far away? We'll see. I mean, 
I'm not hesitant to put a five star on a kid that I think is is that talented of a kid. I want to see him against like the top competition in the country, which we will see because he's doing both the five star challenge and the opening. Um, he plays in you know arguably the best high school football league, uh, the Trinity League. With he plays at Orange Lutheran, but they play St. John Bosco and Modern Day and all those teams. So we'll see him through his senior year. Um, so he does have that level of potential if he continues to develop and look so good now is he a josh rosen type no uh he's not like an elite quarterback who's a no-brainer five star Um, but when you look at a kid who can make every throw who's athletic enough to get out of the pocket and make something happen who's a good team leader who people rally around who is not going to be a problem kid um, he's got all those things so we'll see through the summer and then, uh, then we'll make a determination on it. Yeah, this is one of the funny things about, <clears throat> you know, rankings and, and all this stuff. Uh, his Twitter handle, Big Bo, <laughs> uh, he put up, uh, it was yesterday, he put up Spurs Up, Very Good News. And our entire South Carolina message board was wondering whether it was a new commitment for South Carolina um, or whether it was his ranking, like he got fed his <laughs> ranking and, and he's going to be a five star and, you know, rivals was the slowest on him compared to everybody else and all this other stuff. Um, you know, and we're making up for it by making him a five star and blah, blah, blah. But, um, I can assure you, Ryan Holinsky does not know his ranking. So South Carolina fans out there, uh, it's probably better if it is a commitment. I mean, who cares about it? about a ranking when you're comparing it to a potential commitment in this class. But Helensky is one of those guys who's going to recruit well for them and is involved heavily in their recruitment. Now, those West Coast guys going to the East Coast is always dangerous because someone comes in late with an offer out West and they decide to stay home. But he seems to be pretty solid. So, um, you know, I think South Carolina fans will be happy with his ranking and then some will be like, well, you guys suck he should be ranked much higher than that but really the only the only person that's happy with the rankings is the number one player in the country and that's it everybody else is always complaining about stuff so and i can assure you no one in no one in south carolina has seen this kid play so i'm not really worried about what they're saying there's someone on the message board who flew out to california (laughs) to watch him play in a game last year and breaks it down for everybody there's always that one guy and and of course i'm making up that that actually happened you know but there's yeah let's just say we have a few liars here and there that uh, (laughs) claim that they've scouted these kids in person and blah 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 um but whatever uh that's why we have regional guys and that's why, you know, you guys get to see these kids over and over and over again to the point where by the time the class is done, you're just so sick of this class that you're on to the next one and excited about it. So let's finish this out with the Kyler Murray debate. I am 100% saying Kyler Murray should never touch or even look at a football again uh, after he was picked ninth overall in the Major League Baseball draft by the Oakland Athletics. I'm sure, just like with every other Oklahoma fan, you're going to disagree with me and say that he should play football. No, he should absolutely not play football. Football is not his future. Um, he runs the risk of all kinds of problems happening by playing football. And what and what is he getting out of it? Um, you know, he's got to. 
I understand the commitment he's made to the team and his teammates. And of course, Lincoln Riley is coming out and saying he's our quarterback. And I'm not saying pressuring the kid, but obviously making a statement that he needs Kyler Murray to make a run to the college football playoff um, because I've never been sold on Austin Kendall, although I don't know if it matters what quarterback is in that offense because it runs so smoothly. Um, But absolutely not. He should be a baseball player. That's his future. He should not toy around with playing a year of college football. I'm not even talking about the injuries. I'm just talking about uh, his future as as a baseball player. The Oakland A's gave him millions of dollars or will give him millions of dollars to be part of their franchise. And apparently they think highly enough of him that uh, they take they took him as a top 10 pick. So, um, you know, I, I think he should definitely give up football, focus on his future and be the best baseball player he can be. So now you will be hated as I am by the Sooners <laughs> fans. Um, so, again, he can sign with the A's and still play quarterback next season. In fact, I believe he did sign with the A's. And uh, there's a clause in there that says you can't play, you know. Uh, but he's not going to play beyond next year. And people right. people talk to, you know, they say Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was a baseball prospect, and, you know, he's making millions now as a football player. He made the right choice and all that stuff. But I don't know. How many Russell Wilsons are there? Kyler Murray's a very, very, very talented kid. There's no doubt about it. Um, he's probably the most dynamic runner in the country at, at the quarterback position now that Lamar Jackson's gone. Um, but is it worth it? Now, I would love to see him play football. I'll say that because I don't care about his money. It's not my money. He's not giving me any of it. I'd rather see him play football because it'd be so exciting to watch Oklahoma's offense with him under center next year. Well, not under center, but you know what I mean. Um, so hopefully he does play. But like I said, when you got a baseball future like that, I would just – I would just shy away. So I guess we're in agreement. Dave Barry, what are your thoughts? Well, sorry, I had had it on mute for a second. But uh, being an Oakland A's fan, I, of course I want him to play baseball, so I'm a little biased. You're an A's fan? Yeah, I'm all Bay Area Oak, uh, A's, Raiders, and Warriors. Why aren't you a Padres fan? You're like Eric the actor. Yeah. I didn't grow up in San Diego. I grew up in Northern California. Oh, that explains it. So you like the A's? You don't. You like the Warriors? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Oh. Raiders or 49ers? So Raiders. Raiders. Nice. But yeah. What if? What if? What about when they moved to Vegas? You gonna still like them? I'll stick with them. Yeah, because I don't live there anymore, anyways. You know, I'm I'm down in Southern California, so uh, I'll follow them wherever I go. And you're it's a, a Raider long, Nation. Long it's a Raider suffer- Nation, right? Long-suffering <laughs> Warriors fan who's now living the dream of. Uh, of a dynasty just like all the people I know in New England who grew up Patriots fans. <laughs> exactly, and I love it. That's ridiculous. You're all front runners. Wow. <laughs> I think everybody's in agreement that Kyler Murray should focus on baseball. What so. I think this does, though, Mike, is uh, make, make Oklahoma quarterback recruiting more interesting. Do they take a second one in 2019? Do they turn their focus to Bryce Young in 2020, who's I don't want to say a Spencer Rattler clone, but very similar kind of quarterbacks, undersized, uh, can move around, great arms, all that kind of stuff. Or do they start to look for a second quarterback in this class because they need they need some uh, some depth at that position, right? I think they would probably really tick off Rattler if they took another quarterback. He, I just don't think he would really be cool with that. And 
So I think they'll wait till next year. Next year's a very, very good quarterback year overall, and, and yeah. they'll get a good one then. So, and then you can get a quarterback commitment early if you want to. I mean, you know, earlier than other positions. So, um, you know, I would say they're probably going to wait. So now we enter the worst sports time of the year. It's absolutely horrible. Basketball's done. The NHL's done. Go Caps. And uh, really, what do we have to look forward to? We turn our focus to NASCAR. Oh, God. I guess golf. The U.S. Open's next week, right? U.S. Open is this week, right? I mean, well, this upcoming weekend, yeah. Yeah. Tiger parked his, his uh, yacht at out on, on Long Island Sound, didn't he, for this tournament? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Also, oh, Mike, very important question. IHOP turning to IHOB. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I think it's the stupidest idea ever. You can get a burger anywhere you want to go to, but you can only get the luscious omelets and pancakes at IHOP. <laughs> it's the dumbest idea. It'll go up there with new Coke and some yeah. of the other stupid decisions that have been made. So I, I really am a purist. Um, I hate the idea, and I will never eat a burger at IHOP in my life. I'll tell you this. Uh, I heard this from a friend because I would never go there, but... Uh, the new quarter pounder at McDonald's, phenomenal. Fresh beef. Oh, Fresh man. beef, not frozen. Not frozen, and it makes a difference. I'm telling you, it's very, very good. I'm not a huge in and out fan, um, so I, I think uh, you know Wendy's has the best burger. I don't think anyone can argue with that. And then after that, the McDonald's quarter pounder is surprisingly tasty. Hey, off topic. What's with what's with your buddy Jack Jones? Jack Jones. Yeah, what's uh, going on? He was arrested on two felony charges. I mean, what, aren't you, aren't you being a good influence on these kids out west? I, I have no influence on them. I try not to meddle in their personal lives, but Jack Jones has been a disappointment. Five star kid. Another went five to star USC. flop out west. Hey, well, I'm not the one trying to develop him at USC. I'm not the defensive backs coach. Well. Um, Breaking into Panda Express at 3 a.m. I mean, does it get much lower? Not Panda really. Express is garbage food anyway. It is garbage. And speaking of garbage food, I had Taco Bell last night, and it was horrible. <laughs> Just horrible. And, and I love Taco Bell. I really do. I look forward to it. Every time I go there, they kind of know me, and they wave at me when I show up because they go there. What do you get? Often. What do you get? I'm a soft taco with no lettuce guy because I hate anything healthy, so I get rid oh of the lettuce. God. And I have the soft tacos. And uh, I couldn't even finish them last night. They were so greasy. The meat was so disgustingly greasy. And you know I love grease. Like, I'm half grease. My, my, and not, I'm not talking like Greek. I'm talking my body is grease. But right, I, yes. It was really disgusting. It was bad. So I don't know when I'm going to give them another chance. But it's kind of disappointing when you see IHOB now and Taco Bell let me down last night. And, I'm just not a big Burger King or McDonald's guy. I don't know what I'm going to eat next. You know There's what I've been eating lately? Go. I'll tell you this. Chef Boyardee. Oh, my you, God. Yeah, You want to oh talk God. about a chef. That is a chef right there. That guy knows how to make a ravioli or spaghetti and meatballs better than anybody on this planet. That stuff is so good. It brings back my amazingly dysfunctional childhood. Um <laughs> And it's healthy for you, too, because they mix vegetables in with it. Mike, you need to go to Panera. If you're going to do fast food, which I don't recommend, 
Um, you need to go to like a Panera and get like half of a sandwich and soup or something. Something that's uh, better than, than soft tacos and Chef Boyardee. God. I don't leave the house. So, I mean, well, I did. Actually, I went to Taco Bell last night. So I guess I could have gone to Wendy's for a healthier option. But, uh, yeah, chili and a salad. That's not bad. A salad. So, anyhow, enough of the fast food talk. I'm very disappointed in IHOB. Um, that's so stupid. They're clearly failing. I mean, they're now they're going to be out of business. Because you wouldn't do this if you weren't failing, if you didn't need all this attention. So, International House of Crap. Bur- yeah. I, I hawk, that would be. And their burgers look disgusting. I just saw some pictures of them. They look gross. Well, that's the thing. There are so many burger places and Shake Shack and In-N-Out and Whataburger, which is average. Not, it's not even average. It's below average. Um, why are they getting into the burger business? Is that, that, that is a, a market that's flooded. The pancake business, the omelets, the you know diabetes, cream cheese stuffed strawberry blueberry toppings, which is just all jelly anyway. That's their business. Well, Wendy's came out in, on their Twitter and they said, I'm, I'm not, real, not really afraid of the burger from a place that decided pancakes were too hard. So Wendy's is coming <laughs> after them hard. <laughs> and they are not intimidated by this at all. So good for Wendy's and their burgers, which are, I think, kind of average as well. But, um, you know, the CEO says the IHOP name change is a high-risk maneuver. Yeah, it is. You're going to go on a business that so. was eric the actor's most most liked restaurant too it's a shame that they're changing IHOP was yeah he liked ihop as a restaurant and the oakland a's as his baseball team so that's two eric the actor references my favorite stern character ever so ihop already has three hundred and forty-three thousand followers ihop does it does ihop have its own twitter yep they do ihop yeah, isn't that cool? Oh, yeah, there it is. So, I don't know if that's the Twitter. It could be the IHOP Twitter, and they just changed it over. I don't know how many. Oh, those burgers look terrible. Yeah, they look disgusting. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. I'm not going there for burgers. I'll still go there for omelets and pancakes if they're still making them, but not going to happen with the burgers. So, let's get out of here because we always finish this horribly. Yeah. Let's go get a burger. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just remind everybody our Twitter handles. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at RivalsMike, at Adam Corny, and at Real Dave Barry. We will see everybody again next week.